0: short warning before we start. This episode contains some scary and possibly disturbing content. I have tried to keep the details vague and mild in case it is played in the vicinity of small children, but as it is spooky season, some of the episodes from now until Christmas may feature some darker themes. Concerned parents should listen to the episodes before sharing them with their children. You have been warned. everyone welcome back to southern fried Storytime. thank you so much for tuning in today rather than a specific story today we're going to talk about something a bit more familiar we've all seen it kate hudson's character caroline is possessed by a sorceress called mama cecile in the skeleton key a favorite movie for both myself and my husband so give it a watch if you ever get a chance a mysterious and sarcastic young man sacrifices a chicken for his own protection in the Scooby-Doo movie, and a tiny likeness of Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow is casually tossed off a cliff in order to see if he would survive the same fall. Voodoo may not be from America, but it's deeply embedded in the American consciousness. I'll be honest, it was a difficult topic to research. Our society, and humanity as a whole, loves to seesaw. For every dramatic swing in one direction, there will be an equal and opposite swing immediately after. For example, when the Hays Code was implemented, dramatically censoring movies, music, and comic books, freedom of speech was infringed for the sake of decency. And I believe the intentions truly were good, even if being so offended by seeing a toilet on TV that you want to make showing one illegal seems… comically excessive. People were concerned that we were headed for a new Sodom and Gomorrah as all these new forms of media were bursting onto the scene. After the code was abolished, its effect lingered for a little while, and then there was a backswing. The comical Adam West era of Batman was followed by the Dark Knight series of comics that became so grim that one author was violently threatened until he had to leave a bar once, the other customers found out that he was one of the writers responsible for the issue, where the Joker beat Robin to death with a crowbar. Media grew deeply grim and excessively indecent as a strikeback for the censorship that had been in place for so many years. Sodom and Gomorrah had arrived. The same sort of phenomenon plagued me as I attempted to research voodoo, hoodoo, and root magic. These things have been depicted as a source of a good scare in everything from the Brady Bunch to the Princess and the Frog. It even makes an appearance in H.P. Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu, where the dark, mysterious rituals foretell the coming of the eldritch monster. Voodoo has been depicted in pop culture often, and almost never in a flattering light. Naturally, here comes the backswing. To counteract the negative way that voodoo has been historically depicted, most sources with information on the subject put it on an almost cartoonishly high pedestal. University professors and historians have often had an unkind view of religion of all kinds, that borders on open, lip-curling, sneering disgust. They just barely stop short of doing a 1990s valley girl gag when they mention religion or religious people. Yet, on the topic of voodoo and its cousins, these same academics were practically tripping over themselves to extol its virtues. Glowing reports of the religion stemmed from a combination of our culture's tendency to overcorrect and academia's fear of touching on something related to the transatlantic slave trade with anything short of a fearful simper and a whimper. They make their bias even more clear after their uncharacteristically glowing review of a religious faith that they get downright extravagant in their positive description of New Orleans voodoo queen Marie Laveau. Long-term listeners to this podcast may recall that despite being a woman of color, the famous voodoo queen owned several black slaves over the course of her lifetime. Now, I was told by a historian on a slavery tour that there is no such thing as a slave owner who was also a good person. He said this to me as though he was sure that as a white person I must be hiding several people in bondage in my back pockets. I didn't have the heart to tell the poor thing that as a person of Irish descent, my ancestors were far more likely to be slaves than to own them. White people, of course, have never been slaves in all of the history of all the world, after all, especially not the Irish. (laughs) In the immortal words of C.S. Lewis, whatever do they teach them in these schools? When opinions on a subject are this far divided with this much obvious bias on each side, the truth is nearly always in the middle, but my search was complicated by the nature of voodoo itself. Unlike Christianity, Islam, or Judaism, Voodoo has no founding document to keep its origins present in the mind of its practitioners. As a result, it has nothing more than songs and word of mouth to ground it. If you've ever played the telephone game, you can see why this might complicate things. Especially when the religion is so very open to being adapted from one version to another, leading to innumerable denominations, if you will, of voodoo. In other words, this is a very flexible religion that has almost certainly changed thousands of times as it has traveled from continent to island to continent and changed languages time after time, adapting to the culture and the location in which it is practiced by any given group. This has likely helped it to survive, but now there are so many versions of this particular faith that it's impossible for me to perfectly describe them all. They're spread mostly across the southern U.S., the Caribbean, and West Africa, and everywhere voodoo goes, it changes. I'll do my best to give you some of the more concrete tenets as I was able to find them. First of all, I would classify voodoo as a polytheistic form of paganism. The practitioners worship several spirits called loa that represent different aspects of nature, similar to the paganism we see in ancient Ireland. Each loa has its own favorite fruit, food, color, drink, etc., and a unique personality. There are even birthday parties thrown for loa, and their birthday cakes are made to specifically cater to their tastes. Voodoo practices various dances and rituals in order to honor their loa, and herbal remedies and protective charms and talismans. Voodoo focuses primarily on the healing aspects of their root medicine through a voodoo priest, though they would also be very aware of curses and evil loa they claim out of a desire to know how to combat them, in short, to know thine enemy. Now this doesn't sound so bad, so how did voodoo get its dark reputation? Well, the western fear of voodoo comes from an event that took place in Haiti. The religion had traveled with the slave trade from its home in West Africa to Haiti, where the slaves had the first ever successful slave rebellion. The slaves, who were suspected of being voodoo practitioners, had impaled a white baby on a pole and carried that pole as they marched through the streets, chanting and dancing wildly and burning everything they could find to the ground. Not exactly the picture of peaceful pacifists that the academics would have you believe. To add to all of this the fact that the main staple of the religion is the priests allowing themselves to be possessed by the loa and all of the blood and animal sacrifice involved, and we can see how the Christian Europeans saw the religion as distinctly demonic. Christians and Jews had given up animal sacrifice centuries ago and were horrified by the brutality of people cutting themselves and flinging around the blood of sacrificed animals. The thing is, the blood and death are not seen as an expression of darkness or evil. Death is simply seen as another stage of life in voodoo, almost a rebirth, not a source of evil or an ending. Perhaps this is why in areas where voodoo is prominent, like New Orleans, funerals come with a massive celebration. The dead person hasn't passed into darkness, it's more likely they have leveled up. The more I look into voodoo, the sacrifice of the little baby seems to have less to do with their religion and more to do with the rowdy rebellion that got out of hand. Still, whether it was the voodoo practitioners or the violent rebels, the two things became forever tied together in the minds of the slave owners. Whether those responsible for the rebellion practiced voodoo or not, the religion was now permanently roped in with evil, violence, and death in the eyes of the culture that didn't understand it. The practice of carving a voodoo doll out of wood led to slaves being banned from carving wood, so they did what they do and adapted. Instead of making their protective charms out of wood, they made them out of rag dolls. A blanket banning of the religion led to voodoo taking on many aspects of Roman Catholic iconography, such as worshipping the loa in the form of Catholic saints. The primary version of voodoo practiced in the US is a descendant of the Haitian form of voodoo, which makes it so that the incident in Haiti is not insignificant. Voodoo in West Africa is very different from the version we see here. There it looks lively with tribal dances and ancestor worship. It sounds weird, but it looks more like what you would see in a movie about Wakanda than what you see in a scary film. From Haitian voodoo, we then get the offshoot that is hoodoo. Hoodoo seems to believe in all of the same mechanics of regular voodoo, but with a completely different intent. Hoodoo seems to focus more on the bow, or the darker loa, not just in a Defense Against the Dark Arts class kind of way like regular voodoo does, but in a more practical way. Root magic is another branch. magic, also has some of the main religious building blocks of voodoo, but with a much stronger emphasis on natural medicine. There is still some belief in magic or charms, but for the most part, root magic practitioners made use of the knowledge of Native Americans and some plants and seeds that they brought to America with them to focus on real plant-based cures for ailments, hence the name root magic. Root magic's grounding in healing and protection may make it the closest we have on this continent to West African roots of the religion. In conclusion, voodoo is very much like its figurehead in Marie Laveau. It's complicated. Just as Laveau did great charity work in partnership with the Catholic Church and healed people with herbal remedies, she also owned slaves, cast curses, and used information gleaned from her customers to manipulate the wealthy and politicians alike voodoo and root magic have provided medicine to a people who could not afford it, but they have a history mixed with dark magic and acts of violence. As I mentioned, it's very hard to nail down many specifics in this ever-changing belief system that seems to vary wildly from one group of practitioners from another. What voodoo is seems to depend on who you ask, and it definitely has a checkered past. The same people who say, what a shame it is that Americans view voodoo has been tainted by TVs and movies, also frequently cited the American horror story as a source for their discussion. It's hard to get any straight answers on the topic. The line between magic, myth, and faith is so blurry that it seems that the only people who could give us concrete answers on what voodoo is, and what it's not, are actual members of that belief. With people's perception of it and the generations that it was practiced underground, it's unlikely that any current voodoo queens are lining up to be counted outside of New Orleans or Miami. It's so hard to draw the line in between fact and fiction in voodoo, and its ambiguity is part of what makes it so frightening. When there are no hard rules, it feels like anything is possible, good or bad. But what do you think? If you know any sources where I could get some specifics on the subject, I would be fascinated, but I would like to find a more unbiased information. Between making the belief a horror movie and making Marie Laveau a saint, somewhere in the middle is probably where the truth can actually be found. Next week is our Halloween episode and our final show. In preparation for it, I leave you this hint. Since I have been wanting to do this episode since I first started podcasting six years ago, I'm super excited. I figure if I'm going out, I'm going to go out with a bang. So riddle me this. When is a witch not a witch? The answer? When she's a ghost. Join me next week to find out exactly what I mean, and thanks for tuning in today.